0: On today's Q&A episode, we're talking about frequency, consistency, and strength advice. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers Thank you, Run Smarter Scholars, for joining me on another episode today. Today, um, we're talking about frequency, um, your running consistency, and a couple of strength questions. Uh, thanks to everyone who submitted their questions. I ask the, um, or I propose it to the patrons first to see what um, questions they have. Then I extend the invite out to the Facebook group members and whoever's following me on Instagram and just other social media channels and I've kind of clumped a few themes together. So I might actually do two episodes or I will do two episodes because, um, a couple of questions came in around strength and around frequency. And I kind of thought, Oh, maybe let's just combine that into one theme and, um, I'll talk about it in a second, but I'll do another Q and a next week, uh, around answering some different questions for you. So, um, Today, uh, we're going to answer the first question from Brian, who says, uh, for people just getting started in running, consistency is key, but is there a certain aspect of running, uh, e.g. Uh, sessions per week or time distance per session or mobility work or strength work, etc., cetera, um, that you feel should take high priority? So if you're just starting to run, uh, what aspects should we focus on? got a couple of dot points written down here. So number one, if you're a new runner, it's going to be sessions per week. It's going to be frequency. It's going to be um, shorter runs more often, just so your body can adapt a bit, a bit um, adapt that load uh, a bit easier and how that actually works. I'll explain that in a second, but this is principle number two of our um, universal principles that are on the first ten episodes of the podcast. If you haven't listened to the first ten episodes, uh, they are a must if you want to take full advantage of this whole podcast. So have a listen. Frequency is the key. Is the the title of episode two. But if you're a new runner, this can be say four to five sessions per week, four to five runs per week. Really easy running, maybe around twenty to thirty minutes on average, um, depending on what your previous fitness levels alike. Maybe you're a gym goer, maybe you've been in sports, team sports um, before that. So it all depends on the individual, but four to five times a week, 20 to 30 minutes, really easy running is a good average, a good average starting point. Once the body adapts, you can then start to try and handle higher loads and choose to sub in maybe another rest day or maybe another cross-training day because if those sessions get towards 45 minutes or 60 minutes plus, you probably can't do that for all of your sessions. Well, you won't be able to do that for all of your sessions. Um, And it might get to a point where you start feeling a bit sore, start feeling a bit stiff, maybe getting a bit of DOMS from running. That's when we need another rest day. So maybe three to four times per week instead of four to five. Or you just have a lot of really easy Slow, short recovery runs um, throughout that duration, and maybe one of those, one or two of those days have a little bit more longer duration. So once a base has been established, so um, you're let's just say you're running four or five times a week, they're getting to around about thirty minutes. It's getting quite, um, and I guess you're not breaking down. You're starting to build up a bit of a base. The next thing you want to do is start increasing your running volume, um, building that upon that foundation, and then you need to get really creative with how you want to increase that volume or increase that speed. So be creative because there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it, but you just need to be sensible. We need to take into consideration those adaptation principles and make sure that there's no spikes in training to abrupt changes in training, but just build, slowly build upon that foundation that you've created through volume. And then um, once you've built up a, a fair decent amount of volume, then we start to work in some speed sessions there as well. Why frequency is the number one priority, answering Brian's question. Um, I'll explain that in a second, but number two, um, the why we do that slow build-up, why that's number two in the priority list, um, is because you want to build a big foundation for yourself. You want to build up the capacity of the tendons, muscles, ligaments in order for you to start handling those tougher sessions that come later. So like building a house, you do want a strong foundation because if you ever have to encounter, say an earthquake or just challenge the foundation of that house every now and then, maybe poor weather conditions, um, you want to make sure that the foundation is strong. And like a nice foundation, if you decide all of a sudden you want to build a second story on that house, or if you want to build a third story upon that house, the foundation needs to be strong. Otherwise, it's just going to crumble. And so that's why a big volume is all about building that base. So that's why it's number two on the priority list. Number three on the priority list, I'd probably say would be that strength work. So once you've built upon, it it helps build upon your already uh, high capacity and starts to tap into resources or tap into um, challenging the, the body in different ways that just uh, running just can't offer because running is endurance-based, it's control, it's slow kind of movements repeated over and over and over again. If you need to be a resilient runner, you need to start triggering your body in different ways. Strength training can be that. It can fill in the gaps to what your body is lacking when it comes to just running or just doing any other endurance based cross training and so that's where it's really nice the the tendons just respond differently to a slow heavy load it just challenges them different ways it wakes up their their responses in different ways and so strength training would definitely be number three on that list for a new runner anyway um, mobility I know Brian just sort of mentioned this um, mobility as as a option in here Um runners don't need to be that mobile. There may be the, the small amount of runners who are extremely stiff, maybe extremely stiff knees or extremely stiff hips or stiff lower backs, and they do need some mobility work, but not a lot of runners require a lot of mobility work. So my generic answer is it's not high up there. It may be high up there for some people, but for the average runner, um, I wouldn't say it is. And so that's um, frequency as my number one, uh, consistency, like th- there is a difference. So frequency is the amount of times over a given period. So you might say frequency is the amount of sessions per week or the amount of sessions per month, but consistency is just repeating week by week, month by month, like constantly showing up without the longer trends of like a boom and a bust cycle that you might see. And it's important that we be consistent, but you need to be consistent. You need to train smart in order to um, be consistent. And if you were to look back on the last six months of your running, was it consistent for two months, then you were injured and you had to take substantial time off or substantial low mileage for three weeks before you slowly built back up? And did that cycle just repeat itself? Like if you look back over 12 months or two years, have you noticed much of a fluctuation in the frequency? Have you noticed much of a fluctuation in the overall mileage? Because if you can maintain a high frequency, you train smart, you make sure that we're applying all these run smarter lessons and you continuously show up month by month and that frequency is just maintained. That's when all the, the compound effects, all the compound benefits happen Um, that's when consistency, which is more of a long-term view, that's when they start to reap the rewards. And so people um, in general, outside of running and inside of running, they're very like narrow focused, very looking forward to the next week and then the next week and the next week. And they're just looking um, seven days ahead, maybe two weeks ahead, thinking about the runs that they need to do, how they need to progress, how they need to increase their mileage week by week by week. And it's only just when, an injury happens that starts to dictate what you can and can't do because a certain injury might flare up if you do uh 50 uh, if you do over like a 40k mileage per week or if you run at a certain speed that's when symptoms start to arise and so the injury starts to dictate what you can do and so that's when consistency usually falls short because we're not progressing and yeah if we're smart and we take things gradual and we focus on the long term that's when the consistency Um, the benefits of consistency start to compound. Okay, so following on, just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. From that, but... Um, Karen asks a question, Karen, big fan of the podcast. Um, She asks, what are the advantages and disadvantages of running shorter distances more often versus longer distance less often? And what is this in relation to say the injury risk, or if you are preparing for a half or full marathon? And it's a good question. Um, I've sort of half answered it with Brian's question, but uh, I'll elaborate a little bit further. So, the advantages of shorter runs more often, so being more frequent but just not um, challenging the body as much because we're doing shorter runs. So when you exercise, the body gets triggered by the exercise stimulus. It gets, uh, it starts to react to that response. So if you are like a shin bone, and you have your own um, response to load, you start running the you. Foot slaps on the ground, sends a bit of a shock through the bone, and the shin bone thinks, oh, this is a new stimulus compared to what I was doing this morning. Um, how should I respond? This, this might be a, a nice stimulus. Maybe I should become stronger, or maybe I should start responding to this load um, because we like triggering things, we like responses because that's how we adapt. But what we know, especially there's a, 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 some good research when it comes to bone health and bone density and the response that bone has to exercise. When you're running, we know that the bone response um, starts to, or the stimulus starts to become numb to that stimulus after about a couple of hundred repetitions. So we're looking like maybe 200 repetitions every ground strike. That's when the bone starts to be like, you know what, oh, Uh, it was a nice stimulus to start with, but it's very similar to what's happened a hundred times ago. Um, I don't really need to respond to it. Uh, I'm kind of used to it. It's, it's not really doing much for me anymore and starts to become numb to that stimulus. And so we know that running takes more than 200 steps, (laughs) especially if you're running for a couple of minutes. So, The trigger effects to your tendons, we can think of this for like your tendons, your joints, your muscles. There's a lot of research on the bone, but um, if we just apply this concept to all areas of the body, when you start running, um, it gets numb to that stimulus very quickly. And so that adaptation response is almost, uh, it plateaus throughout the duration of your run. And so the body needs something new, which is why team sports are quite nice because you're jumping, you're landing, you're changing direction, um, you're pushing, pulling, all these sort of things, and the body's just been thrown into a wide variety of different loads, different directions, different speeds, different intensities, and it's um, it's good for the body to adapt that way because it's just been thrown into something new every single time. But running's very repetitive, and so it becomes numb to that effect. And so, if we the advantages of doing something short, and, but more often you wake up the next morning and the the bones are like, oh, this is new to what I was doing this morning. And then the next day, oh, this is new to what I was doing this morning. And you're just constantly changing that stimulus. It's changing the variety and it's triggering an adaptation response more often. And so I think you guys can appreciate the, the benefits of that happening compared to those long, slow runs less often. You're, you're waking up that adaptation system less often. And so that's the last thing we want when it comes to trying to adapt as a new runner. Um, and also when it comes to say injury risk, we want to adapt to that stimulus. We want to adapt more often. We want that body to shake into become adapting to the running stimulus more often. And so that's where, um, that's kind of the difference. And that's why it's, it's, it's one of the huge advantages of being more frequent, which answers your question as well, Brian, when you're talking about why we should prioritize or what we should prioritize as a new runner. But there's also downsides. There's downsides to, well, I guess the disadvantages of having those short runs more often is that especially when you're training for a half and a full marathon, you're just not stimulating your endurance system. So while we were talking about the body adapting to the loads of running every step. We also need to work out the um, your cardiovascular system and your muscular system just being used to running for such a long period of time because if you're running for a marathon, you need to adapt to the marathon. And we do know that if you run tired, if you are not used to running tired, you start to run quite sloppy, you start to be quite lazy, uh, your posture changes, the, um, the way you hit the, hit the, the road with your foot changes. So it starts to almost slap the ground a little bit harder, which increases the ground reaction force, changes your biomechanics slightly. And all of these things, all of these sloppy kind of changes increase the likelihood of injury. And so that's something we don't want. And so if you do have an upcoming event it's important that you challenge or you um, make sure those fatigue levels, running um, the attrition that's associated with running marathons, the mindset that's associated with marathons. We want to make sure that you're prepared for all of those things. So I guess my tips would be that if you try to, um, like if you're a new runner, change things up, um, make sure it's quite frequent. Try and have an even mix if you do have a race coming up. So let's just say, let me break it down. If you're a new runner, start with short distances, high frequency. You'll adapt quicker. Um, slowly build up your endurance over time. But um, you, if you have a, a race day and if you um, sign up for a race and you're preparing for that, you need to be more specific. You need to start training specifically to that race day. And so as you get closer and closer to that race day, your training is slowly morphing towards more of those conditions. So that being the time of day, that being the duration of the race, that being the speed of the race, um, the, did I say terrain? Um, Just all of those things. We want to make sure that we're training the body to get more specific. Um, So hopefully that answers your question. Uh, This is a very... I guess there's a lot of different ways you can answer this. There's a lot of different ways you can train. There's no one answer for everyone, but we're just following these general principles. Okay, let's move on to question number three. Okay, question number three comes in from... I've lost my page here. Frederick. So, Frederick asks, what do you recommend for strength training in the last eight weeks before a marathon? Um, and he's put in brackets. Exercises, when to do them, Um if you're running five times a week. uh, And yeah, so thanks for your question, Frederick. If you are eight weeks out from a marathon, I'd still recommend you'd be strength training two times a week. Prior to that, like all runners uh, should be training around about, should be doing strength training around about two times per week. And that's enough. That's what the research shows is enough to start increasing your strength, like making those gains Once a week sometimes tends to plateau. Sometimes once a week is like the maintenance sort of frequency. So you don't lose strength, but you don't gain strength either. And that's just very generic principles. People respond differently to strength training, but just very generic. Um, So when the week, like when in the week you plan these sessions, it depends. It's worth playing around with. It's worth trying a few different options, but I'll have, I've got three options that I've written down for you here. So one you can do your strength sessions. Um, let's just say you have a Monday. You can do maybe your running speed session on the Monday, so a little bit more intense, a little bit harder efforts. But you've got fresh legs for that session. Then at night you do your strength session. And if you've got that luxury of time, that availability, we um, we know that the body will adapt to both of those sessions. If there's more, if there's around about six hours. Of rest or six hours um, separating those two sessions. So you do your morning speed session, legs are fresh, you can sort of um, fresh enough for you to build up those higher intensities, go to work, go about your your day. Um, and then later on in the, the afternoon or later on at night, you're doing your strength session. So that could be something that you do. And then the next day could be a rest day because you've trigger the body quite high amounts, maybe there's a little bit of muscle soreness the next day. Um, you can time that with your rest day and that can be something you can try. The section, The second option that I have is you can do your strength session on your rest day. And so if you have your if you've got two rest days per week and you've spent all those five days um, for the rest of the five days doing a running session, see how you go, just putting in a strength session on that rest day. And then maybe the following, the day following that strength day is your easy recovery run. Might be something because you might be a little bit sore. You might have a little bit of muscle soreness following that strength session, but it won't affect your recovery day, like your recovery run too much. So that's something you can try. Um, The third one I have written down is like, you can do a strength training day one and then your easy long run day two. And I've done this multiple times in the past and I find that, yeah, there's a little bit of muscle soreness during my long run, but it doesn't affect my long run. Like you start to notice it, but once you've warmed up, that goes away. It doesn't impede on performance because it's just a nice, easy, long run um, and doesn't impede on the fatigue ability. Like I can still run long distances even if I do have a little bit of DOMS and it doesn't, there's been research to show that Delayed onset muscle soreness doesn't impede on running performance. Um, So there are a few things you can try and things that you can just like different things you can try because you might respond differently. You might find that you need more rest days. So you want to combine those strength sessions with those on running days and then allow those two rest days per week to be completely rest. Um, We know that people respond differently to strength sessions. I've already said that, but yeah, it is worth some trial and error. It's worth some different options. I know from Rich Blagrove when he was on the podcast, he does say, yes, two sessions per week is ideal. Um, and usually those strength sessions go for around 45 to 60 minutes, but you can also spread those um, strength sessions into different units. So different strength units throughout the week. And you can spread those across the week. So maybe you're only doing strength training 15 minutes, you're doing it four times, five times per week. If you are, if you don't have that luxury of time, or maybe you do have the luxury of time in small doses spread out throughout the week, there's um, there's still benefit in doing that. Uh, if you feel like you have too much to DOMs for the, the running the next day. Might require a little bit of reshuffling, if though if that DOMS is extending beyond twenty four hours and it's really starting to impede on say like maybe a speed session or it's starting to impede on your other running sessions or you're still quite sore before it gets uh it, it's still sore you haven't recovered from your first strength session in the week and it carries over to the second session of the week, I would definitely reconsider the intensity that you're doing, the weights that you're lifting, um, the speed that you're doing, just like the overall intensity of that workout. It's probably too much. You might need to dial it down a bit. The actual type of exercises I recommend, it's going to be very generic because I'm speaking generically to all the runners out there, squats, lunges, deadlifts, calf raises. um, Make sure that you've adapted to those, but you're slowly applying weight I say these principles all the time, but we want to slowly start increasing the weight, probably three to four sets of eight to 10 reps, eight to 12 reps maybe. And it should be quite heavy. It should be quite challenging to push out those 10 to 12 reps. Um, Make sure you've slowly adapted to those. Make sure you're strong enough to slowly apply those weights. If you're not, then just take a bit of time doing body weight for a couple of weeks. Wait till you get stronger and then start applying those weights because like you're running training. Um, we don't want to have too many abrupt changes. We don't want to do too much too soon. The same goes with your strength sessions. Um, so those, uh, the advice of the squats, lunges, deadlifts, calf raises, um, they might change depending on the individual, it might change depending on your training history, might, depend, might change depending on your injury history. Um, but yep, just very generic. So, um, approaching, I would say this. So if you're saying that this is eight weeks out from your marathon, when it gets to maybe two to three weeks out from your marathon, you might want to drop one of those strength training sessions and just go to once a week. Cause like I said, once a week is kind of like your maintenance phase. You might want to, um, well, you still want to keep the strength that you've built up over those past few months. But, um, we we don't need to continue building strength for the marathon because we're only 2 or 3 weeks out and so you might be doing some longer runs which at that time it might be quite taxing so you might sub out your strength session and put in a um a recovery day or you might want to be more specific to that race day if your legs are feeling fresh if you're feeling good um you're really hitting a good stride you might sub out the, um, strength session and add in like maybe a recovery run. So you're just clocking in a few more kilometers per week, um, and just adapting to, yeah, your, your marathon sessions. So thanks for that question, Frederick. Mark, um, chimes in and he said, what is the best exercises? What are the best exercises? Um, if you have, if you're short of time, so if, time availability, um, what's the most bang for your buck exercises. And I only have just one exercise I have written down here just to keep things very simple. Um, because like I said, squats, lunges, deadlifts, calf raises are quite good. Um, but I do have a nice exercise here, which are called Bulgarian split squats, but with a couple of variations. So You can do Bulgarian split squats. So it's kind of like a lunge. If you can imagine someone in a lunge, but their back leg, their back foot is elevated onto a bench behind you. So it's up in that elevation. And then you are uh, almost lunging straight down and straight back up. So it's kind of looking like a lunge, but that rear foot is elevated. You can hold onto weights. You hold onto dumbbells um, on each side, go all the way down, come all the way up. You can also add a very small step in front of you, um, for your front foot so that, um, when you start doing these exercises, your toes or the the forefoot is just on that step and your heel is hanging off the ground and that's going to activate more of your soleus muscle. And so what we're doing with this component is we're strengthening the soleus, which is very important for runners. We're doing the Bulgarian split squat, which activates your um, quads, your hamstrings and your glutes. And we're also getting it in a little bit of hip extension. So there's a bit of mobility exercise in there. Um, especially if you set up the the rear bench and that step correctly. And so all the angles are working properly. I, I do these when I do these, I'm really sore, um, really sore in a lot of muscle areas. So it works a lot. Um, might need to work on mobility might need to work on range of movement for the first couple of weeks with this exercise so body weight is more than acceptable um but when you start adding weights do so um appropriately but that is a really big bang for your buck exercise if you do that twice a week um you will start improving on your um times you will start improving on your running performance and so that's a really good one I, i hope that um answered your question, reach out to me if you've, um, if you're giving them a try, let me know how you go. So to recap today's episode, definitely frequency for new runners, especially just the number one tip that you can do for adaptation. Um, that's why it's the adaptation hacking episode, episode number two. Um, but then you want to build on that foundation really slowly, start to play around with increasing the volume then start playing around with increasing the intensity or the speeds, Um, keep in mind, we do this because it just triggers the body to respond to adaptation. It's like, Oh, this is something new. This is a new stimulus. Let me um, get used to this new stimulus and let me adapt to the stimulus. Um, but does become very numb after, you know, a couple of minutes of running, um, other takeaways. So strength training, you've got a whole bunch of different options with your weekly routine whole bunch of different options in order for you to try and fit in those strength sessions. And yeah, just that Bulgarian split squat as a, as an option for you with a very small step at the front, just to elevate the heel and keep that elevated. Um, so Next time, actually next episode, um, we're going to do something different. We're going to do an interview. So I'm going to interview Brian Hanley and we're talking about marathon PBs, um, half marathon and marathon PBs, but we're doing so through tactics and strategies, decision, um, decision making strategies that you can make on race day or just before race day in order to increase your running performance. So um, really nice there. We talk about pace strategies and those sort of things. Really unique. Um, haven't done an episode anywhere close to that topic. So really forward. Uh, looking forward to bringing you Brian. Then we're going to come back for another Q and A episode, and so um, there's going to be like what I'm going to call the trails and hills edition because I have Melody who asks um, training for a trail run, is it any different? I have Sam asking what are the exercises to help me increase my uphill running. I have John asking um, what could be some good progressions to get ready for the upcoming big hilly trail run. And Karen asking, Karen again, (laughs) asking, what is the best way to run downhill without pounding? And so it's going to be a bit of a trails and hills edition. And yeah, look forward to answering those and bringing it to you next time. And so as I sign off, remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter Scholar because when i think of runners like you who are listening i think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge who don't just learn but implement these lessons who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again who want to take an educated active role in their rehab who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes and last but not least who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.